Guys, happy Halloween from everyone here at the Cold Hard Truth. It's a Monday, October 31st, scary hours at nighttime now. But again, happy Halloween. We're here at the Cold Hard Truth. You got myself, Jacob, Connor Armstrong. We have a lot to get into today. Some more trade deadline news. A few things in week eight for the NFL season to get into. Game three was postponed tonight. Just got the news of the rain delay or the rain postponement in Philadelphia. World Series has been getting going at it. College basketball starting next Monday. A lot of things to get into. All that and more starting on the Cold Hard Truth right now. Boys, like I said, welcome back to the Cold Hard Truth. Again, happy Halloween for myself and everyone here doing the show today. Connor, Jacob, how you doing on this festive Halloween night? How was that game yesterday, Jacob? <laughs> it was a tough one, but uh, yeah. it was a fun weekend. Uh, Halloween's always a good time. I feel uh, specifically, uh, you know, around the Northeast, I feel like, you know, not that it's not celebrated in other places, but it's fun in urban areas where, you know, where the streets get all decorated and whatnot. And it definitely has a you know, a football vibe to it all. And football has kind of become a staple uh, to be played on Halloween, uh, which of course we have a game later tonight as well. Yeah, definitely. I want to jump into some NFL news though. Another trade, another trade happening before the trade deadline in the NFL featuring the Chicago bears once again. And yes, it's another one of their star defensive players, another first round pick getting moved. First, it was Robert Quinn getting traded to the Philadelphia Eagles. Now we see star linebacker Roquan Smith getting traded to the Baltimore Ravens for a 2023 second and fifth round pick, both going to be in 2023. Connor, Jacob, before we get into some NFL storylines from week eight, reactions to this trade overall, Connor, I'll go to you first. Yeah. You know, just, the you know front seven for the Ravens now is just disgusting. Let me read off a couple of the names. Patrick Queen, Calais Campbell, JPP, Justin Houston, Travis Jones, and now they add Roquan Smith from the Chicago Bears. It's just an unreal front seven. Still, you know, like a pretty young secondary who, you know, still need to blend together pretty well, but just a, a uh, really great trade for the Ravens to make. Yeah, and the same thing with the Eagles. When Quinn went to Philadelphia, that just bolstered their front seven, which was already really, really dominant. So good good moves for the, both the Eagles and the Ravens. Jacob, though, specifics on this trade, do you like it for the Bears, Ravens? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that a lot of, uh, you know, the Ravens had a lot of question marks in terms of where to look for in terms of trading. You know, they definitely wanted to improve, but would it have been a wide receiver or would it have been a defensive player like who they got? I would think that a lot of that probably has to do with their division and the low scoring tight games that they're going to have to win against those other teams um, against teams like the Bengals, Steelers and Browns, of course, who they're playing tonight. Uh, Sorry, Bengals playing the Browns tonight. But that division always kind of has that vibe to it. And the Ravens defense now is going to be, you know, as good as almost anybody. So uh, a good trade for them. You know, I I don't think they gave up too much. Like I was saying uh, earlier today, I mean, what fifth round pick is going to be as good of a player as a Roquan Smith or a Christian McCaffrey. It's not going to happen. So Ravens got a lot better and didn't, didn't give up too much either. Yeah. Jacob, I know you wanted to get into some, uh, some storylines for week eight. What do you have for us to discuss today? Yeah. So uh, I was in attendance at the jet game yesterday, uh, me and our, and our good friend, Anthony, and, you know, uh, you know, watching that game, it really made me think, and I got texts about it from fellow Jet fans, friends of mine. You know, everyone was talking about how maybe the Giants were the team that was a quarterback away from being a contender. But now I'm really starting to wonder if it's the Jets. And I'm not saying that I necessarily give up on Zach Wilson. But it's one thing not to play well. It's another thing to lose a football game for your football team. And that's mm-hmm. exactly what Zach Wilson did yesterday. He was the singular reason. Besides, you know, that rough in the passer call was – I mean, that's a whole that's a whole nother topic, a whole nother conversation. But Zach Wilson's interceptions yesterday didn't really look like your typical interceptions. They they looked like they were thrown to the Patriot, you know, defensive backs. And it wasn't the unbelievable scheming of Belichick that made these things happen. A lot of the times he had enough time. He could have easily thrown the ball away. He was forcing balls downfield. So it's not like, you know, the defense was 
out of this world because it really wasn't. And the Jets defense, on the other hand, played terrifically. So I, I really don't know if the Jets maybe are the team, after all, that should be thinking maybe, you know, is this really a guy, one, and two, at what point do you start thinking that? I guess that's my main question for you guys is, you know, they did win those four games in a row since he came back, but he wasn't really the reason they were winning the games. He was man game managing a lot. Brees Hall was breaking off runs nonstop, and their defense has been great. So at, at what point do does the Jet fan really worry about Zach Wilson? It's tough because th this is my thing. When he, when he came back and replaced Joe Flacco, I'll put it this way. In his first game back, he threw, I think it was against the Steelers, he threw for 99 passing yards. Or it was like 110 in that game. It was something it – was, it was a very low number. He didn't come in and blow the roof off the joint and just show us all, okay, I'm back. I'm going to be the main reason as to why the Jets are going to win games. The main reason, like you said, I mean, he's hurt now, obviously done for the year, but it was Brees Hall. It was this defense. It was guys like Sauce Gardner, Quinn and Williams making plays for this team. It was a guy like Garrett Wilson. So overall – it's tough to say right at this moment because, again, you know, maybe, maybe you're saying it wasn't Bill Belichick scheming, and part of it, part part of that is correct. He was forcing a lot of passes. He wasn't playing phenomenally well, but overall, like, if, if, if we're being real here, Belichick, the, the Patriots, first off, they they've owned the Jets over the last what like decade or so. Like, like the, the Jets don't historically do well against this team. So, you know, yes, am I a little bit concerned about it? Yeah, but I'd give him till the end of the year to try and get his legs under him. He is coming still off of an ankle injury in the beginning of the year. I wouldn't write him off just quite yet, but I do see where as coming from as a Jets fan, you watching him, you know, week in and week out, you're kind of seeing the inconsistencies and the sluggish starts and the and the inability to make the right decisions and make good plays at the right moments. I can understand why you think that, but Connor, I'll let you go. Yeah, you know, I watched the uh, majority of this game. Oh, hey, Peyton. What's up, Kevin? Oh, how, how are we? Hello. Sorry, I'm late. <laughs> I was talking about uh, Zach Wilson, but, you know, yesterday I was watching the majority of this game, and it's weird because, you know, the Jets have won their games because they've been able to run the ball pretty effectively, like we said, you know, Brees Hall, and then, you know, the defense goes out there and shuts down the opposing team. When, when Zach Wilson throws around more than, you know, like the 20, 25 times that he should, when the uh, Jets have been winning, the, the Jets don't play that well. And, you know, I don't know if it's him, you know, mid-play. All right, my first read is not there, so I'm just going to do whatever I can to make something happen and just chuck it up and see what happens. That's that's just kind of what it looked like to me yesterday. It looked like he was trying to play hero, just thinking of a situation, you know, going to a team that hasn't been really in contention for the past decade, uh, number two overall pick, you know, trying to be, you know, the savior for the Jets when, you know, they have a really talented team. And, you know, he seems to be the reason that's little – that could, you know, like derail their season at this point. So, you know, the Jets are way too talented. I do think that he will turn it around just because of the talent that's around him. But, uh, yeah, definitely definitely not a good uh, day for Zach Wilson yesterday. So, Jacob, you can po pose your, the question you were talking about to Payton so he can give his thoughts on it. Yeah, I mean, I, I basically was saying that, I mean, first off, just to preface, I was at the game, like I mentioned before, and <laughs> Zach Wilson really lost them that football game. He didn't play badly. In my he opinion, lost. he lost them the football game. I agree and with that being borderline a fact and the fact that he hasn't been really the reason that they were winning previously. My question for these guys was at what point do you seriously start to wonder if the jets are the team that should be thinking about a new quarterback and not necessarily that I've given up on him, but it's getting to a point now where you start to feel like you may rather a game manager guy for this team because they win a game like yesterday's game with a guy that's simply not turning the ball over. Specifically, real quick before you go, Peyton, um, I mean that the pick, the pick that went down and was caught on the ten by McCourty, I believe, on the third and ten that he just was all the way outside and threw down wasn't the worst because it was almost like a punt. They were going to punt anyway. The one that mind boggled me the most was the one on the sideline when he was literally standing a foot from the sideline and could have just dropped the ball like this right out of bounds, just shoveled it right out. No problem. You come back for a new play. And instead he threw a toe tapper to a, to a Patriots DB. So those I, are my thoughts. I think he thought that that was going out of bounds. I don't think. Yeah. He, which is obvious, uh, yeah. Which is nuts. Um, what are <laughs> they? Five. They're five and three now, right? Five and yes. three. Yeah. So I don't start worrying about 
a replacement quarterback until we're 500. So if they're five, if they lose the next two games, then yeah, I'd start. I if I was in the Jets Buffalo next week. Yeah, so they're definitely going to lose against Buffalo. I don't know. I mean, I don't. I don't lose faith completely in the kid. I think if you look at a, a team like the Giants, they could have lost faith in Daniel Jones many a times, and they yep. didn't. And they again, I agree with everything Connor said. This team is really good. Yes, Zach Wilson definitely lost this game. Yes, Zach Wilson was trying to play hero ball and played awful. But still, with the team around him, if he can learn to manage his arm and manage the interceptions and manage the turnovers, I don't know. I, I don't know if you could find a better guy to head the team at this point. I mean, you'd have to pay somebody a lot of money or you'd have to trade or find somebody in the draft, which is going to take years anyway. So, again, yeah. I think until until they're 5-5, five and five, until they're, they're a negative record, I wouldn't really – I don't put too much thought into and it. And the big thing is, too, Peyton, you mentioned if they lose the next two games. It's not even if just they lose the next two. It's if, it's if Zach Wilson, again, the same way we saw against New England, is the primary cause of their losses or if they are in a game, have the chance to win, and it's it's well, you well, know it, it's it's teetering on the line of, oh, yeah. can Zach win us the game or lose us the game? Then it becomes, okay, let's, let's ask the question. Let's also mention they just lost Brees Hall for the season. They had, didn't That's have Cor- they didn't have Corey Davis. Elijah Moore has been a ghost. I don't know. Well, Elijah doesn't even want to be there anymore. So I mean, that's what yeah. I heard. But but the report yeah. said that he had brought up the issues with front office and that they were going to get him the ball more against the Patriots. Obviously, it's tough to get the ball against a Patriots <laughs> defense and a Belichick coach team. But still, yeah. I mean, to get no targets, no receptions, he's a guy that's got to be moved by tomorrow. I'm sorry, but Elijah Moore needs to be traded, and they need to find guys that can catch the ball besides Garrett Wilson. I mean, Tyler Conklin's a good tight end, but. They got it. No, they need they need to trade either trade Elijah Moore or because again it's almost similar to what the Giants did with Kadarius Tony. And I want to bring this up too to Connor real quick um, before Jacob yeah. goes to his next point that he wanted to bring up. But it's almost like with Kadarius Tony, the Giants didn't know how to utilize him properly. They weren't utilizing him a lot. They get some draft capital, send him to a place in Kansas City where I think when this guy gets healthy, he's going to be McCole Hardman 2.0. Oh Andy Reid and Mahomes are going to figure out a way to use this guy, and when they do the rest of the league watch the F out because this guy is going to be scary in that kind of offense. Same thing with Elijah Moore. Jets don't want to use him. Really can't figure out a way to implement him into this offense. If they move him, you, you either listen, there's two options. You implement him in the offense, you figure out a damn way to involve him or you get rid of him, get draft capital back and send him to a place that will know how to utilize him. Maybe a Baltimore Ravens, maybe a Green Bay Packers. Maybe you guys want to get him. I don't know. Maybe you Packers Packers would not know how to use him is the problem. Oh no, I know. We we all but the Packers also don't don't trade for wide receivers. That, that, that's not no. a thing. Do, no, they don't. Know. Nor do they draft them unless yeah, they're they bad. Don't, they, don't, they don't. They don't get receivers in general. Uh, Jacob, though, bring up. You can bring up your next point. Well, first, I'll go in a second. I just, you know, just last last touch on the Zach Wilson. I, I, physically, I think exactly what you want to see. I mean, I think the way he gets out of the pocket is great, mm-hmm. and I think his arm strength is great too. And and I think that there's no reason to give up on the kid whatsoever. I'm just more so getting into the concern that the fact that the team is so much better and has all this talent almost concerns me more than if it hadn't and they were losing. So yeah. you're, you're more, you're more afraid that he's going to single-handedly lose you games like he did on Sunday. That's what that's you're my, that, that, right. That's my, concern. okay. But coming, here's the thing coming from the guy that hates Jimmy Garoppolo with a burning passion. You can't make that kind of a statement. Now that your team is good all around and your quarterback is throwing interceptions. Now you want, you want Jimmy like, I get I'm what you're saying. saying. No, but I'm not saying that. I'm just saying the team itself, like, I, I mean, the way the defense over and over just kept coming out with the ball on the 40 and the ball on the 35, it, it, was, <laughs> it was like, and they kept stopping them over. I mean, the Patriots kicked five field goals yesterday. Nick Folk automatic. And can I just, from a Patriots standpoint, I'm sorry, I know we want to move on. Yeah. All of New England wants Bailey Zappi. It is the narrative. The narrative is that. Yeah. No, 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 like every every single New Englander wants Zappy. I'm just here to say, I'm not fully off the Mac, the Mac train yet. I'm not there quite yet, and I don't want to cast a stone at the guy before he gets his last hurrah. I think he still has something left in the tank. But 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 Bailey Zapp Bailey Zappy's arm is so much better. The game is is so much more entertaining when Zappy's on the field. Mac football is boring. Again, what's most important is that we come out with the win, but God damn it, Bailey Zappi is so much more entertaining to watch than Mac Peyton, Jones. It's not even the, close. And Peyton, the one thing too, it's like he gives you that little zip and the zap on the field. He just like it's just that zap, little, little, little bit, little, a little bit of energy. And I called uh, him when he uh, when he was playing the Packers, just like how Stephen A. chose to call Matt Lafleur Matt Lafleur. I was calling him Bailey Zippy. <laughs> I was like Zippy zipping all over the field right now. Yeah, but, disrespect. 
No, but he was, the first, he was the first rookie quarterback in any like of any of the guys that were drafted, Pickett, Willis, anybody. He was the first rookie quarterback to throw a touchdown this year. And in the games where he's been healthy and Mac has been healthy, they've played in, Zappi's outplayed him. Zappi's thrown more touchdowns, less interceptions. He's been, I mean, neither of them are crazy on the ground. It's not like Mac Jones is a mobile quarterback. Which Zappi, is not. Zappi, Zappi's definitely more athletic. Yeah, he's more 100%. mobile. He's more athletic. So, I mean, yeah. honestly, we had this. I had this conversation on one of my other shows that I do. It was a, it's an all football show specifically talking about Mac and Zappy who should get the starting nod. We were talking about how it was kind of crazy myself and my co-host about the fact that Zappy really Mac Jones got six snaps and then it was pulled like that. It was like he got he, he had such a short leash in that Chicago Bears game when he, you know he threw a pick. I understand, but that play by Jaquan Brisker uh, like Oof. that's a that's a once in a lifetime kind of interception. It wasn't like Mac threw a terrible pass and it went right to the Bears player. He went up there and snapped. That's why. It that's right why up. I was so shocked to see him start. Yeah, because I, I was like, we pull him, you pull him that fast, and all of a sudden you give him back his starting job. I thought for sure we were leaning on yeah. Zappy, but maybe Belichick saw something I didn't. I, I could argue that Mac's a better clock manager. I guess I don't know, but we'll see what all, happens, all I'm saying is all of New England is on the Zappy train, and everybody's tired of Mac Jones football because it's boring. Well, but yeah. if he wins games, he wins games. So I don't care who starts as long as we're winning. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Jacob, next point you want to bring up. Yeah, I just want to say, I mean, one of the most surprising storylines that I don't think a lot of people are talking about, how about the Atlanta Falcons sitting atop the NFC South? And it's not with the best of records, but, I mean, aside from a Saints victory yesterday that the Raiders are, I mean. Raiders God. are horrendous. Oh, my God. They're, that was, they're horrible. horrible. That was awful. horrible. No, Derek Carr is the worst. I hate Derek Carr. I've been saying how bad Derek Carr is. Nobody believes me. That guy yep. sucks. He's no, bad. Know. Yeah, oh, yeah, Jacob, continue. Yeah, so I, I just want to, I mean, we basically, not only are they in first place, it's not the type of first place where, like, they're getting lucky necessarily. These other teams look bad. Uh, this, Awful. This, Terrible. And, and the question is, I mean, with a few weeks, you know, when we get a few weeks down left in the season, is it possible? And you'd have to consider it right now. I said, because Connor and Jacob, you were here for the last show when we had LJ and, you know, uh, Jacob's buddies on the show, a few of the other guests. Who did I say was the dark horse team in the NFC? I, I laughed in Tino's face. I'm sorry. Yeah, I said it was the Atlanta Falcons. They're not a dark horse right now. They're the best damn team in that division. Yeah. You look at Marcus Mariota looks, looks like the best, like not, okay, I won't say the All best right. quarterback because Tom Brady is still in that division. That's what I'm going to ask. I got a but question for you then. Marcus Mariota is having a career revitalization in Atlanta with Drake mm -hmm. London. What? What? Yes, dude, what? what? Look at what yeah, Tino, they run the ball like 75% of the and time. And half of that is Mariota. No, it's not. No, it's not, Tino. He throws like eight passes a game. That guy sucks. <laughs> that's not even, that's not even true, Tino. bro. Mariota, it is true. I'll, I'll pull up his stats from last game right now. Keep yeah, talking. I'll pull see. up his stats. I, no, here's, my, my, here's my main rebuttal on my question. Yep. Do we believe in the Atlanta Falcons to stay consistent and continue to win games, or do we believe in the GOAT to turn the boat around and get Tampa no. on top of the division? The I, doing anything. I believe well, in the GOAT. Well, hold on. Mariota the and – no, though, for, for, just for reference, in the last game he threw for 253 yards and three touchdown passes, and he rushed six carries, 43 yards. And so far on this season I'll, I'll pull up the stats for him just so we can get a real look at what he's done this year. He's thrown 1400 over 1400 passing yards. He has 10 passing touchdowns, six interceptions. That's not great. But if we look at the rushing uh, his um his rushing stats this year, he's rushed I believe for three rushing touchdowns along with almost 300 yards. Marcus Mariota has been the best quarterback statistically in that division. Arguably in that division, he has been it's the true. best quarterback. You're right. And he's yeah. leading a team winning games, no, the most wins in that division. I'm not surprised they're winning the division right now based on how the season has looked so far. Um, would I be surprised if, a, say, a New Orleans Saints, my, you know, a team that they came in and snuck in there? No. They're the team I would take to sneak in there, not Tampa. Tampa looks absolutely horrible. All right, J Jacob, Jacob, who finishes on top of the division, Tampa or Atlanta? I, I think it's a question. I, I, I'll, I'll say this. I'll say this. I think it will be played for within the last three weeks of the season. Yes, I agree. I agree. I in those last three games, you'd probably have to give a slight edge to Tampa. But how they look so bad? They look really bad. But if it if it was a two game differential, maybe. But they're just one game back, so it's close enough that like Tampa could end up like nine and eight, and they could be eight and nine, something like that. But Tampa won't win more than ten games tops. Obviously. No, no, Tampa's not. No, Tampa, Tampa has looked. We're we'll lucky to win eight games. Yeah, you know, they 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 look absolutely horrendous. And I'm telling you, Atlanta. Really 
I'm not they saying Atlanta's going to win the division, but if even if Atlanta doesn't win the division, they're going to be a playoff team, in my opinion, because I don't see Green Bay looking like a playoff team right now. I, oh, I'm no. telling you, the Rams oh, no. are a playoff team. And if Tampa somehow gets to the top of the division and wins it, you look at it, okay, Cowboys, then you have the Giants. Not enough like, room, though. No, there is, though, because they can battle with the Seahawks. It could be between Seattle and Atlanta. That's, and Atlanta that's, can that's, sneak out. I can, I can like, see it's that. Not, it's not crazy. Atlanta can get in there as a seven seed if they don't win the division. That's very possible. That. No, I can see that. Because, so, again, the Rams look terrible. The Packers look terrible. Like, yep. outside of the NFC East teams, those three of them, you'd only be battling with the Niners and the Seahawks for who wins that division. Like, it, it's possible they could sneak Commanders are four and four, too. Say it again. Wow. That's yeah, true. Commanders are now four and four. Also, oh, so the Commanders are in the. All right, yeah. so that's, that's my point, though. But Atlanta's still in the mix there, even if they don't win the division. But I, I don't know. I personally, I'm glad you brought them up because nobody talked about them. I was laughed at when I said they were a dark horse team by Connor and multiple of your buddies. Deservingly so until this Sunday. Deservingly. Can we? So. I mean, but like we still hate no, Arthur still, Smith, right? Does everybody still hate Arthur Smith? I, I don't hate. Him. I, no, I don't. I don't like him that much. I, I, I don't think hate he's... Arthur Smith. I'd take Mike Tomlin over Arthur Smith. I will say though, your pick about Drake London looks good. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> your pick, your pick about Drake London does look pretty good though, because he's been balling with me. No, it does. It looks bad. It looks bad. No, he's been playing pretty well. He's been playing. They finally got Pitts involved in the offense, which is like, okay, thank God they threw him oh, the yeah, ball really. down the field. Uh, but, 100%. but I guess London looks all right. The better pick is Jacobs Olave. Olave looks like a beast, really man. I'm very. Even I, Garrett Wilson could have been the pick, and he would have been right. Uh, Garrett Wilson looks phenomenal. Bro, if you watch Olave film though, that kid reminds me so much of Justin Jefferson. He's it's so like good. it's scary how close they are in their route running and their timing. I love Olave, so I think. Let Jake me give, let me, let me give my... myself a shout out for my offensive rookie of the year pick, Christian Watson, looking pretty good there. <laughs> hey, buddy hasn't hasn't been able to stay on the field for more than five damn minutes in a game. Guy gets hurt every every two plays. It's ridiculous. You know, so that, you've you've you you've you've conceded the fact that the Packers are done. Basically, is that what you're saying? The way they look right now, I don't see how they can be considered a playoff team at this moment in time. At, at this moment they, in time, they cannot be looked at looked at as a playoff team. They look do, absolutely do, atrocious. Do you think they'll make a trade for a receiver? No, I don't because that's not what that's not what Gutekunst does. Gutekunst, Brian Gutekunst is allergic. It has he, some kind of disease. Gute what? Gutekunst <laughs> is allergic to to, to, to to bringing in any kind of receiver, whether it's a trade, free agent signing, drafting. He does not bring in receivers. The general okay, manager all right, all right. Packers doesn't do that. So okay, no, so if they him. were going to bring in receiver, which receiver do you think would actually help the Packers the most? I think that a guy like I think there's four options out there that we that the Packers could look at. You look at a Chase Claypool. I think that he I don't see him as a one, but in the Packers offense, he's like a he's one, a one times he's, he's a, a one, one times ten. So like <laughs> yeah. I, I you know, I have to go with you know, Claypool's gotta be an option. <clears throat> Even though Brandon Cooks is kind of a slot guy, I mean, I, he has to be an option as well, just because yep. he's there on the, he's there on the on the, he's a trade option for them. The number one guy I'm looking at is DJ Moore. If Green Bay does not go out and get try to get DJ Moore and throw as many picks possible to a Panthers team that has been selling everybody, they got rid of McCaffrey, they got rid of Anderson. I don't see why they wouldn't get rid of DJ Moore at this point because yes, he play he, he plays well. But you sold the rest of your damn team at this point. I wouldn't be shocked if he was gone. That's another one. And then finally, the last one I'll look at is maybe an AJ Green. He could Jerry Judy, no. Say it again. Jerry Judy. Uh, no, I, I don't think Jerry Judy because Jerry no. Judy, first off, he, I mean he's very injury prone, yeah. and also he hasn't. I think in his young career, because of the injuries, he hasn't been on the field enough to show me something over these proven guys already. Of a Cooks, of a Claypool, who has. Again, proven to stay on the field. He's been a, a solid number two, and then a DJ Moore. I think he's the best out of the bunch. So I would mm -hmm. take DJ Moore out of anybody. I think I think that's fair. I think that's fair, Tino. Yeah, and then so I, I want to move on to some of my storylines though, because I went very running back centric this week because we had a lot of big storylines when it came to running backs. I'll start oh, yeah. with I'll start with Derrick Henry. Who I mean, I don't know if we're still going to call him the king, like you know, King Henry, but. I mean, the guy hit like multiple milestones this week. He he passed Eddie George to set the record for the most rushing touchdowns in Titans franchise history with seventy five. He Babu. and this was this week was his sixth game with at least two hundred plus rushing yards and two plus touchdowns. All like it's the most all time by a running back. He's had six of those games. Four of those, keep in mind, four of them have come against the Houston Texans. So that means four separate occasions he has rushed for 200-plus yards and two-plus touchdowns against the Houston Texans. He just loves playing against them. I don't know what it is, but, he, again, he loves playing against them. So Derrick Henry, he had a phenomenal sucks. week. Say it again? Because their defense sucks. I mean, that's true. But, I, again, he just I, I think he just gets up and he wakes up in a different mindset <laughs> when he goes to play the Texans. But sure. the question I'll ask you guys about Derrick Henry – 
should he be should he be in the conversation for the greatest running back of all time with all these accomplishments he's getting with the year, the amount of years he's done it for? Would you put him in that conversation as the goat running back of all time, Jacob? I'll go, your face is telling me I don't know what you want to say, but come on, no, I'm I'm listening. It's yeah. a legitimate question. You could if you believe no, you know, but I think it's he's I in this. Yeah, I think there's a pantheon of four or five guys that you probably would need another few years. It's possible. Yeah. Um, of Henry of Henry performing the way he has to be in that stratosphere. I think some of those guys include an Emmett Smith, mm-hmm. uh, include a Walter Payton, a Barry Sanders. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Those are the main three, I think, just off the top of my head. I can think of Agreed. some others. But I just don't think those guys are really touchable in the way that, you know, that you have the same at various other positions. Um, but I definitely think Henry, out of anyone in the league, is definitely on the best trajectory to eventually get into the conversation in terms of where he is in his career. The fact that he has been an MVP candidate, which we have not seen from really any running backs since Adrian Peterson, if you really think about it. Yeah. Um, so I, I think he is that guy in terms of the league today, but I don't think he's able to be considered in a historic light yet. Peyton, you agree? Uh, I put him in a historic light. I don't put him above Barry Emmett, Walter Payton at this point, but I think because of his size and how different, besides Eric Dickerson or maybe Bo Jackson, I mean, he's still taller than both of those guys. I mean, for a guy his size to move like he does and stay as healthy as he has throughout his career at the age he's at, I definitely put him Hall of Famer, historic for sure. He should be remembered. Mm -hmm. He's changed the position. I'm surprised. I guess I'm not surprised that we haven't seen more bigger backs because he's such an anomaly. Like there's barely anybody at his size and weight that can move the way he does in terms of shifting laterally and getting north-south with speed. So, yeah, he's historic. But is he above Barry Sanders and Emmitt Smith? No, not yet. Not, Not for me. Definitely not. I think there's an argument for top five though, because he he's in there Definitely. with guys like Danny and Tomlinson, like a few of those kind of guys. I feel I like put him above. I put him above LT to be honest. I hate. To, I love LT. I you know, love. That, that's my point though that he's above a guy like that. You know, and Eric Dickerson. There's an argument to be made. He's, he's up top there. ten. Derrick Henry's top ten all time for for how different of a player he is and how much of an anomaly he is. I mean, for me, he's just so unique and so different yeah. than anything we've seen before that he has to be top mm-hmm. ten. Yeah, Connor, are you on the same sentiment kind of with the, th- with the yeah, two of them? everything. Everything pretty much. You know, just the way that he's sort of, <clears throat> you know, just like transformed the game like a little bit, you know, with his with his style of running, he's really impressive. So definitely top 10 right now and are uh, absolutely going to be top five by the uh, end of his yeah, career. I think sure. this season, honestly, he hasn't really been talked about and neither of the Titans. I mean, they're five yeah. and two now. They lost their first two games of the season. They're on a five-game win streak, and a lot of that has to do with Derrick Henry while having some quarterback controversy because Malik Willis started in his first game last week against the Texans. Derrick Henry has been the stopgap for them every single year. And myself, who and this is another phenomenal pick by your boy Tino, three and fourteen or four and thirteen, the Titans were gonna go, and they are now five and two. They've already broken that barrier of me putting your boy. Yeah, sorry. So the Titans are already winning this division, and likely with how bad the Colts look and the fact that Matt Ryan's not even in, the Titans are probably gonna win the division for what, like a third or fourth straight year now. So really props to them and props, props to Derrick Henry for being able to maintain the high level of play for as long as he has. I'll move on to another running back, though, one that was recently traded. And people talked about the fact that in his first game with the 49ers, didn't look all that great, wasn't all that involved, yada, 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 et cetera. And I kept telling people, listen, he was traded middle of the week. Christian McCaffrey was planning for the Buccaneers for about half the week and then had to shift his game plan to the Kansas City Chiefs. Wasn't utilized that much, didn't get a ton of touches in that game. Then in his first full week of being able to practice with the team, getting over the playbook, being in the room with Shanahan, all of that becomes just the third running back in NFL history, besides Walter Payton and LaDainian Tomlinson, to pass, rush, and receive one touchdown in a singular game. McCaffrey went absolutely nuts in this game and just, again, literally did everything for this team. Everything you could have done, he did for the 49ers offensively. All he didn't do was get an interception or make a tackle on defense. Outside of that, he did everything you could possibly want a running back to be able to do. This play by, or this game by McCaffrey, without Debo Samuel, keep in mind, he wasn't even playing in this game. This, to me, reinforces the Niners are going to win the Super Bowl. And Peyton, you haven't been on these shows when I've, I've come out and rightfully said, the 49ers right now are my new pick to win the Super Bowl. I'm going to go with them over the Bills, the Eagles, the Chiefs, every other team in the NFL. I'll go to you first because Jacob and Connor have heard me say this already. What do you think about me saying that? And do you kind of agree with that sentiment that, you know, with the offense with McCaffrey, Debo, Kittle, Ayuk, the defense with Bosa and Warner, all those guys, 
Where would you put them in terms of contenders for the Super Bowl right now? They're definitely top three, and they're in the mix, but I don't think I can put them above the Chiefs and the Bills, but I think they're right there. Would you there. put them as NFC favorites? Yes. So over yes, the I Eagles, you put them over them? Yes. I okay, think it's – I think I, for me, if I – no division, no. Yeah. Bills, Chiefs, Niners, Eagles. That's how I would rank it. That would be like my – if I had to pick who was going to win the Super Bowl, that would be my order. Um, okay, but, because the, yeah, because my thing is because I've told obviously our boy Sprack, I've told Ian this, and I'm pretty sure he's watching right now because he did ask me for the link. So Ian, shout what out a to guy. you. Love this. you, brother. Miss you, dude. Yeah, love you, man. But like he had brought up to me the fact that listen, if there's a zero in the loss column, this team is going to be. A, they've had a massive cupcake schedule, and I do think they might go 17 and 0 because of how easy their schedule actually is. But if you, I mean, maybe the Giants get one game off of them. I know Connor might, you know, think otherwise, but they do have a good chance of going 17 and 0. Just because they're seven and zero doesn't mean they're the favorites. The 49ers have, I think, just as good of an overall team. Maybe not as good of a defense, but offensively, I'd put them right there with the Eagles, if not better. I think that's why I put them above them. They I have, they have, they have about even defenses. The only difference in their teams is the quarterback. Yeah, yeah Jalen Hurts and Jimmy G. Jalen Hurts, Jalen, Jalen Hurts, Jalen Hurts is a world better than Jimmy G, and I'd probably trust Jalen Hurts with the ball in his hand versus Jimmy G not to say that Jimmy yeah. G isn't a great game manager and again in the playoffs what matters run game and game time management so and defense exactly so it, I mean I agree with your point but I haven't seen enough yet to where I'm ready to put them at that top spot for a Super Bowl I, I don't I don't see it yet but it, it, they're definitely in the hunt I think after this game with McCaffrey because again I've said this before with McCaffrey and Debo in the backfield on opposite sides of Jimmy G if I'm a defensive coordinator I am pulling my hair out with anxiety the day of the day before the like it just Leading up to this game, the week before, I am losing my mind trying to figure out how to stop these two. And McCaffrey did all of that without Debo in the game. So imagine what will happen when Debo gets back on the field with this team. But You're Connor, right. I want to, yeah, it's 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 going to be fun to watch this team. I'm telling you, going forward, Connor, any storylines you wanted to bring up that we haven't mentioned yet? Yeah, you know, just one that's pretty low key, but just really impressive is you know, Tua's of like ability to spread the wealth around between Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. I just think it's so impressive week in and week out. You know, Hill for had 12 for 188, Waddle 8 for 106, and they each got 15 targets and 9 targets. I just love how Tua's like able to get them both involved because, you know, you don't see that big of a one-two punch really work out, uh, you know, like too often, but, you know, the Dolphins are obviously making it work. Yeah, and they're, they, they sit at five and three right now, and they're a team we look at now that Tua's come back, and he, and he looks healthy. Like, honestly, I prayers up thank god that he looks okay because he did not seem okay after those multiple head injuries now he's looking a lot better had arguably his best game of his career uh, on sunday night 300 fantastic or, yeah sunday afternoon i think he like only missed like six or seven passes yeah. almost 400 yards three touchdowns and no picks again got water granted versus the lions we're playing the that lions, is true and the lions just did fire their deep their their uh their db head coach because of how bad their secondary is they're they're again their secondary head coach just got fired because they look absolutely atrocious little so, yes, harsh granted, against say, those two, but yeah yeah but say it again it is against the lions granted but he has looked very good but jacob what are your thoughts on what connor brought up yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, I, I remember we discussed it with Tua out and, what, you know, what it meant for the Dolphins. And it's clear that with him in there, uh, you know, they are a uh, they are a definite playoff contender at minimum. Uh, and, I just, you know, just in general, it's pretty exciting to see the AFC East get back to, you know, being relevant. Because right now all four teams are 500 or above. Uh, the Patriots definitely uh, can be even better than their current 500 record. And it's cool because the way they did it was a lot of these games are going to go deep into the year. I know we have, um, you know, the other three teams within our next five games, and those are all going to be close, good games. So, um, but just, you know, in general for the Dolphins, their offensive spread with those two receivers, Connor mentioned, and Mike Kosicki, when they have him involved, is really as good as anybody's in the AFC right now. If, 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 you, really, if you really think about it with the Chiefs, mm -hmm. you know, Hill going from, from Kansas City to Miami and just things bouncing around a bit amongst the teams. If Tua plays as and, and we said it before the year, what did we say? Week one. And I, I remember I said it, everybody agreed. He would just have to be competent for them to be good. Mm -hmm. But if he's above average, then they're really good. So and and, and that's right. What I, and, which, right. and when he's been healthy this year, I would venture to say he's been above average so far. I think that he's had, multiple, sure. games of, 100%. He's had multiple games of throwing over 300 yards. I mean, he beat the Buffalo Bills at home. They were one of the, the two undefeated teams along with the uh, Philadelphia he beat the Eagles. He beat the Ravens with what? He was down 
25, 24 points. No, it was, dude, it was, it was like 20. It was like, thir- it was like 31 to 10. It was on the road yeah. too. Yeah, like was, uh, those, yeah. those are those are big big wins. Those are not small. And that's wins. exactly. And they're gonna be, and then right after the Ravens game, beating Buffalo at home, really holding his own with Josh Allen. So if Tua can maintain this, again, I didn't see my. I saw Miami as a fringe border right outside of the playoffs going into the season. They might prove they're going to probably prove me wrong and end up going into the postseason possibly in an AFC North that has looked a little bit weaker than we expected. I think Miami can make a real run if Tua can find – again, I'm going to knock on wood like heavy. As long as he can stay healthy and not get screwed over by, you know, whoever's – again, the doctors that are on the team, whatever. As long as he stays healthy, this Miami team can be scary going forward. I wanted to transition, though, unless, Peyton, you had something else you wanted to bring up because I wanted to go to baseball. but I got nothing. Go for your yeah, baseball. I want to go to the World Series because in the first two games in Houston, obviously game three got postponed tonight <laughs> because it got rained out in Philly. <laughs> <laughs> What's Jacob doing over there? Is he sleeping? Yeah, whatever. I know. Listen, what he was doing. I know. Listen, Philly's the rival of the Mets are in it. The we, I know it's not great for I. It's not great for myself, no. Jacob or Connor by any means. Peyton's over there saying, you know what, my Red Sox are back next year. We'll, 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 see we'll be back. Happens. We'll be back. But yeah, Connor Peyton, uh, Connor Jacob, and I are not exactly happy about this matchup. I'm going Phillies all day. I'm sure Jacob probably is the same way. Can't I don't know about Connor, but anyway. Houston. In game one, the <laughs> Phillies made history by becoming the first team in 20 years to rally from down five to nothing and win the game. And they were down five nothing in the top of the fourth inning. Kyle Tucker had smacked two home runs, one solo shot. And what was it? One one three run shot. Uh, he was, yeah. Kyle Tucker was going nuts in the first. In, in the first, did it in the first three innings, no less. Was hot from the get go. And then the Philly, the Phillies bullpen, and, and Nola himself. Held them scoreless throughout the rest of the six or throughout the rest of the five innings, excuse me. And the Phillies bats come to play once again, and they end up beating them six five in game one. They did end up losing game two. Astros bounced back, which I honestly expected. I did not see Houston losing both of those games at home starting the series off. But talk about the resilience of this team, Connor, which we've kind of seen throughout the entire postseason. An ability to not just hit the ball and get ahead, but to get behind, come back, have Against the Padres to go here. Harper has, again, one of my favorite calls of all time. Harper, the swing of his life. Like that, the Phillies have done it multiple times. Speak to the resiliency of this team and how they just manage to do this game in and game out and have these comebacks and now be tied with the Astros heading heading home to Philadelphia. Yeah, you know, watching this World Series and, you know, how, or really just the Phillies and Astros' entire runs and just, Imagining, oh my God, why couldn't the Mets have done that? Or <laughs> God damn it, why haven't why couldn't the Yankees do that? It's it's just nauseating to think about. Um, it, it's not fun. I'll tell you. I mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, the Phillies handed the Astros their first loss of the of the postseason yep. in Game One. Yep, which is crazy. Down five nothing against Justin Verlander in Houston. How do you expect? That's the to thing too. It was it, it was their ace Verlander on the mound, and they shelled Unreal. him from there on out in the fourth inning. They were crushed. yeah. It's not fun. It's not so, fun. You know, uh, Aaron Nola wasn't that good. Zach Wheeler wasn't great in game two. Yeah. But, you know, this uh, this series is going gonna, is gonna to come down to starting pitching. And, you know, they uh, they now have three games in Philly where I didn't know this. I just saw this literally like right before our show. Mm-hmm. The Phillies are 20 not, or uh, 21 and nine at home in the postseason, which is the best home winning percentage in MLB history in the yep. postseason. So, um, you know, obviously – you know, that crowd is going to be insane in Philadelphia. It's Philly uh, fans. We know how they really, are. you know, we just know really, really good to be a Philly sports fan right now. And uh, they're going home with a chance to uh, take a commanding lead in this series with the home crowd behind them. Would you, obviously the game's not happening tonight, but it, we'll, we'll fast forward to Tuesday. Would you predict yeah. the Phillies win? I don't, I don't, I'm not a hundred percent sure on what the pitching matchup is. I'm going to look at it right it's now. Just be, see if I can pull it up. Uh, Lance McCullers and Noah Syndergaard. And, oh, uh, it's Syndergaard. Syndergaard. Wow. Yeah. Former Mets pitcher in there. Syndergaard well, getting a start in the World Series. Not for the Mets, uh, though. Not for the Mets. I mean, <laughs> obviously, I hope he doesn't do well. I'm not a huge fan. Uh, <laughs> it's, I mean, it's it's already painful enough to see uh, Zach Wheeler pitching well in Philadelphia when the Mets could have resigned him. But, you know, uh, anything can happen, especially in the World Series. And, I mean, we already know how that- you know, Philly is toward their sports, so. I have to ask you a question because I know Jacob yeah. and I are definitely not rooting for the Astros. Whether we're rooting for the Phillies or not, we're totally against the Astros. Coming from a Mets fan, 
What yeah. do you do here? You're you have a you have a World Series where there's a division rival, a team uh-huh. that won what was it like twenty almost twenty less games than you guys, or like it was like fifteen less games than you guys did. They're yeah. in the World Series now. They beat the team in five games that beat you guys in the wild card round, and then you have the cheating Astros. Maybe you know I'm not going to say they weren't cheating this year. We don't know, but this yeah. team who has cheated in the past many times, a team that nobody likes is despised by all of baseball pretty much, except for Astros fans. Maybe even mm-hmm. some of them despise them. But anyway, <laughs> what do you do in a scenario like this? Not that you have to root for somebody, but who not, do you just like pull for? What, what do you do here? I'm, I mean, obviously, you know, seeing the Braves win the World Series last year, another division foe. I don't want to see it again this <laughs> year. So I'm, I'm pulling for Houston. I'm not rooting for Houston. I, don't, I, I really don't care. Who Ooh. wins? Ooh. Screw you. Screw you. Astros, are you Wait, kidding me? Can I say can I say one thing about the cheating thing really quick? Fine. Oh, oh boy. No, oh, please. Okay. No, please, we'll get into this. No, you can say it. We'll get into it. Go. 2017. Yes, they cheated. All right. Yes, Game okay. six and seven. How many runs did the Yankees score? Can I? <laughs> Ready, Connor? How many runs Connor did the Yankees score in game six what and seven? What about what about Jacob's face, Jacob's face. Connor, Connor, his, Connor, his face, Connor, 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 Jacob, Jacob, I will look dispel his, his argument. Jacob, I will dispel this argument for the both of us right here, right now. Oh, wait, hold on, hold on. You said, all right, they were cheating, cheating when they were hitting, right? With the banging of the trash cans and everything? Yes. So the Yankees scored one run in two games. I'll explain to you. Hold on. I'll explain to you how this occurred, Connor, because you're not remembering all of the cheating, are you? You're not. Because Jacob and I remember this. The Houston Astros in their home stadium had Uh a camera in right, was it what is it, right or left field, whatever, whatever part of the outfield it was. They had cameras in the outfield and they were recording the signs of the pitches that the Yankees were going to get. That was part of it. And then again. In the games that they played in New York, the Yankees, Jacob, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't believe they scored less than five runs in, in, in Yankee Stadium in that series, correct? They were shelling the Astros in that Yankee Stadium. In the four games in Houston, they never hit more than one run. How else do you explain that besides the fact that the Astros were cheating? Oh, why does everybody bring up the away. trash cans as, as the main thing when the Yankees can't score? Dude. When they're stealing signs and when they're able to under they're, they're able stealing to understand signs pitching is what they, they were stealing signs pitching. Yes, dude, that was part of the cheating. That's what I was reading at least. That's I thought how it was I understood. the hitting, like they were. Jacob, do you have Jacob? Do you have any? Do you have any? Do you have any? Go. Maybe I'm totally wrong in this, but I, like that's not it. <laughs> Jacob's got nothing. He's got. He's. No, I can just see. Jacob's like I'm nothing. done. Jacob's like I'm not. I'm not talking he's over, about it. He's over. It's, it. A, it's, a, it's a damn shame what you said, Connor. It's a, it's a damn. <laughs> <laughs> it's a damn shame. I, I don't even. I don't they even. They couldn't score runs, dude. They went seven games and they lost every away game, which is where the cheating was taking place. It's Thank you. Yes. When when the Astros were hitting, they were banging banging the trash cans. I know that. But they would have only had to. Did win you one ignore one. what I said about the goddamn it cameras? Would have happened if they hadn't been cheating. Thank what you. Cheating from a hitting perspective. But the, what about the Astros' the hitting games? perspective? They weren't cheating when they were pitching. Yeah, but they would have won. They could have easily have won one of those games three two four two. So one. score more runs. You don't know that they were cheating when they were pitching. Oh yes, we. Well, that, what is? I, I don't understand. What are, what are we talking? What are what are we making justifications for? I, I'm I don't saying, understand. I'm saying Great. yes, okay. they no, were both cheating both, when no, the Astros were the hitting, day. but the Yankees didn't do Connor. themselves any favor when they were hitting. Both for your well. Astros. Do, go ahead. Both for your Astros. <laughs> because I brought up Chino's like, oh, they're the big cheating Astros. Yeah, they cheated. <laughs> they are the-, the Yankees didn't hit either. So I don't know why you're so mad about it. Yeah, the Mets did a, yeah, the Mets did a great job of hitting in the wild card round. Enough with you. Yeah. Jacob. I'll, yeah, I'll just enough. Enough. Jacob. I'll say it. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't Phillies, hit. Phillies Astros, looking at the fat past two games, what did you see in those two games? And what are you looking ahead for in game three on Tuesday? I'm not watching that horse shit, Tino. <laughs> hey, they got some angry New Yorkers in this motherfucker on God, yo. God no, damn. Um, you watching? The, uh, the coolest stat I saw about the Phillies, only three teams in the history of baseball have ever made the World Series with as many wins or less that they had. And yeah. all three of those teams won. That's insane. Just pretty, pretty absurd. So yeah, there's a, sin, a trueness about the Cinderella stories in baseball, and you know, uh, you know, we've always said that MLB playoffs was the best because of the unpredictability of everything, um, and the storylines, like for example, the cheating of the Houston Astros, uh, 
Not Wait, so the Phil- are the Phillies going to win is what you're saying, Jacob? Yeah, if you had to make a prediction uh, right now, 1-1. One, one. I mean, the Phillies, like, this. You, we always say you got to go split on the road in a best of seven in baseball because of the fact that you get three straight home games. If Houston – I mean, if, if Philly wins two out of three home games now, which is very, very, very possible to do, they'd be up 3-2 with two chances to win one game on the road. So – uh, I'd, I now they're it's flipped. They have home field advantage now. I, I mean, I think it's still basically a 50 50 right now. Uh, game three is going to be the biggest game of the you know of the series. And uh, I don't know, I, I have a feeling about Philly maybe in six or seven games. So, if the Phillies win, is the economy gonna collapse? That's what I've been hearing. Probably, yeah, I saw that. Well, I do. No, legend. Allegedly, the last two times the Phillies have won, I think it was the stock market crash of 29 yep. and the housing market collapse in 08. So looks like we're on for another uh, another economic crisis, guys. Uh, listen, I let's cross our fingers and pray it's not <laughs> going to happen. But we'll move on from ba- – oh, actually, no, Connor, I want to get your thoughts again. Game three, Phillies sure. throws. Because what they did what they did against the Padres, they stole one in San Diego to start that series mm-hmm. off and then went and won all their games at home and beat them in five games. So are we seeing a similar trend here? The Phillies going to go 3-0 and at home and beat the Astros in five, six games, mm. seven. What's going to happen here? Uh, I'm still going Houston in six, but I think Philly – I mean, these, these games in Philly are really going to be a toss-up in my opinion. You know, just yeah. the crowd being such a big factor. But, you know, Houston's pitching is dominant. The lineups, you can – throw it it's 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 really a crapshoot with the lineups the astros pitching is better their bullpen's better i'm, I'm gonna i'm uh, still gonna say houston in six astros have the best pitching staff and they had they had it coming into the postseason the best yeah. all-around pitching staff in the, in the in the playoffs i picked phillies in seven i'm sticking with it i don't see a reason to switch i could see them winning in six games i'm gonna keep it at seven would not be surprised if it was six moving on to the nba before we go to our little fun halloween topic that connor and i had prepped for you i want to talk about luka Doncic. And the fact that this is going to be his season, I'm going to put it out there right now. He's going to win MVP this year. At this moment in time, he's my pick. He was my preseason pick beforehand. He's my pick now. In his first six games, I don't know if any of you know what the, the numbers he's putting up. And it's only six games. It's a small sample size. But I'm going to read off the numbers for you. He is playing lights out right now. He leads the league in scoring with 36.7, might as well say 37. He's averaging 37 points per game in his first six games. Nine and a half rebounds and 8.7, basically nine assists, fifth in the NBA in assists. Luka Doncic is playing phenomenally well, and he's and he's scoring efficiently right now in, in the beginning of this season. Is this the year, I'll ask all three of you, Peyton, you can go first. Is this the year Luka finally gets his first MVP, or are we going to see him lose it to an Embiid, to a Giannis again, to a Jokic winning three in a row? Who the hell knows? I, no, I it's, yeah, it's Luka's year, for sure. So? Yeah, I've seen, I've seen it. I've seen, I mean, like, he reminds me of LeBron, like the way he controls the court, but he yeah. has that innate scoring, like last minute buzzer beater. Who do you want the ball in his hands? You want Luca? Like he's got that killer mentality, but at the same time, he can distribute and control the floor like Bron does. And I'm not saying he's LeBron James, because LeBron James is the best basketball player of this generation for sure. But yeah, I think it's Luca's year for MVP. Sorry, Connor, you. you agree with it? Connor, you agree with him or no? No doubt about it. I mean, this dude has been on star uh trajectory ever since he you know came into the nba uh definitely this is finally his year to win the mvp for sure jacob are you gonna say like rj barrett or julius randall or some dumb you shit better are you gonna go with, you gonna you go with luka Doncic? i'm gonna go with chris paul no i'm just kidding <laughs> uh, chris paul. I, I i think there's a good chance i think this is probably his best chance out of um out of all the years so far um, I think that the team is in a better place now. And actually, I think that um, having a guy like Brunson pack his bags up and head to New York only gives him more time, more touches, more of a role. Um, you know, he's obviously the um, in terms of many of the superstars in this league, he's in a situation where the, his team will rely on him as much as any team will rely on any player in this league. And yeah, that facts. probably more more than anything will tie into whether or not he can win the award, but they have to win enough games. I would say they have to be at least a top five seed. I think as a fifth seed, he could have enough flexibility. I think if they get into a top three seed, it'll be a no brainer because I think he's going to average around a triple double this year. So I think the team needs to win enough is the biggest key to prevent a Giannis type guy from winning it. 
um, over him. You know, obviously the Bucks are like really looking good in the Eastern Conference. But if I had to make one point, one guy, I think it would probably be Doncic at this point. Yeah, and Luca, that's the. You're, I agree with you. It's the one thing that's going to derail him is the fact that his team won't be able to have a high enough seed and have a good enough record because the team did get worse in the offseason and the Western Conference has a lot of good teams in it. That'll be the. And right now, like the Mavs aren't even a playoff team. They have the same record as the Thunder. So again, that'll be the only thing derailing him. But I could see a guy like even a Jason Tatum sneaking in there if he plays really, really well. Again, a Giannis is always there. I mean, he's, Giannis is probably averaging close to what Luca is averaging right now, and he has the Bucks at five and zero at this moment in time. So. I think the record will be the one thing that will hamper him down. We're going to move on, though. That was the only thing I want to talk about for the NBA. Unless any of you guys have anything you want to bring up. I want to go. Obviously, it's Halloween. I got one thing. Oh, you got one thing? Yeah, what do you want to talk about? Yeah, the Maple Leafs are really bad. The Maple Leafs, yeah. the Toronto Maple Leafs, they're because really, really bad. They're just they're really, really bad. They're just not they're really not. And the New Jersey Devils and the Buffalo Sabres, shout out, like, New York, New Jersey, East Coast, like, Buffalo Sabres, kind baby? of a wagon. New Jersey Devils might be better than the New York Rangers and the Devils right now. Boston Bruins might win a cup because they look dynamite. God they, damn. Are they, are they like relaxed? Like they're, the, they're at the top. Oh, no, they're at the top. They're at the top. Hold on. I can give you a little. They've won like what? Nine, eight or nine games already and have one loss? No they're, it, they are, they are They have nine games played, eight wins, one loss, 16 yep. points. They're five points above the Panthers, who are second in the Atlantic. And the Devils. Nine games played, six wins, three losses, tied with the Rangers. The Rangers look pretty good too, though, but they're one game ahead of them. Um, other than that, yeah, I just want to say the Maple Leafs are really bad. I really don't like Sheldon Keefe. They're f- currently four and four, which isn't terrible, but Austin Matthews looks like dog shit. He scored three goals, I think, in eight games, 60 goals last year. Obviously, Rocket Richard winner. I'm really worried about the Maple Leafs, and I don't know if this team is going to be able to stick together and actually make a playoff run or a cup run. I don't, I don't think it's possible, and I think that they're going to have to break up Marner, Matthews, and Tavares. Yeah. I think it's just a sad, sad time for any Toronto fan that's up there watching hockey. It's about all they have up there is hockey. So just wanted to shed my condolences to those Maple Leafs. You guys look terrible. And, yeah, Bruins might be the best team in the league. So shout out Bruins. Let's go Bruins. That's all I got. Sorry to Ian Spracklin as well, because we know he's a big Toronto guy. Big Canadian, oh, no. Canadian over there. His Maple Leafs aren't, are not looking good by any stretch of the imagination. However, no. it is Halloween. I don't know when the last time any of y'all went trick-or-treating. I haven't been in about probably like seven, seven, six, seven years, probably around there. But I want to bring back a little nostalgia. Mm. You remember when you're going around to the houses, you got your little bucket, you got all the, you know, you're walking all the houses, you're dressed up in whatever it is, the Power Rangers, the Pokemans, the whatever. You go up to the house, you're ringing the, you're ringing the doorbell. There we go. Peyton's got his banana out. There we go. You're, you're, you know, you're walking up to the house, you're ringing the doorbell. You're so excited to get your favorite kind of candy. And then you either get the best candy bar in the world or you get some stupid shit like some, I, I don't know what. Uh, Jumper what cables what, or something. Yeah, exactly. Some like stupid, <laughs> yeah. Or what, what are the Tootsie Rolls, that crap, yeah. I, like stuff like that. I want to go down the list from three to one. I want each of us to give our top three overall Halloween candies, whether it be just memories of, you know, just eating it after Halloween, whether it just be the, t- whatever it may be top. Three. <laughs> so we'll, we'll go, we'll go one at a time. We'll go three, two, one. I'll start out at my number three spot for top three Halloween candies. I got the crunch chocolate bar. And now I feel like oh. everyone's going to kind of be like, what the, like, Listen, let me let me explain before you die a laughter over there. Let me explain. I have the crunch chocolate bar at number three. It's all we got a number two almond joy. (laughs) Listen, it's all in the name. The crunch that you get when you bite into one of those chocolate bars, it's just Mm. satisfying. I really, really enjoy I I I always good rice, that good rice in there. That's what I'm saying. It's like a rice crispy bar with some chocolate on top. Yeah, I was a good. huge fan of those. I'm gonna go crunch at number three. Peyton, <laughs> I'll go to you. What's your number three top three Halloween candy bar or just candy in general? I don't rock with chocolate, so I'm gonna go with Jolly Ranchers at three because those shit smack specifically the blue ones only. Mm. Don't give me no red. I rock like with the, the green hard ones. One or the, soft one? the hard ones, specifically the blue ones, not the red, maybe the green. Green apple. Jolly Ranchers. Green is good. Yeah, they're fire, fire. Green's good. Okay, fine. Connor, we got number three for uh, for us. 
Yeah, uh, I'm not a big chocolate person either, but I've grown into a huge uh, Twix fan over the years. So Twix yes. is number Traitor! three. Traitor! All right, that's fine. Jacob, number three. I actually was going to say Twix too. Hey. All right, you guys. So we got Twix there for both I Connor especially like the small ones. They're like yes. better than the bigger ones. Yeah, know. little mini ones. I'm a huge chocolate guy. I'll, I'll get ahead of this. My entire list has is chocolate candy. Um, number two, I got M&M's. I think it's a classic. You know, M&M's, you open the bag up. You just pop them in. They're like, it's it's classic. I mean, Skittles are a bootleg version of M and M's. Skittles are awful. I don't know why they have been made, but M and M's. They're like they're, the they're like not sim. They're like not the same at all. Well, no, but they're they're small little. They're like they're the small little pet pellets, and they have like you know. The, yeah, the but the insides the are complete. That's like saying like, okay, I'm not even good. Sure. No, I'm just saying it. like the shape of them and the S and the M like that. It, that's similar. No, like I'm I'm not. That's what I meant when I was saying similar. I know one of them's a fruity one. One of them's chocolate. M and M's top three, no question. Peyton, what's your number? Uh, number two. Um, number two, I'm gonna go Dum Dums. You know, just a dumb American classic, and like. I got Lollipops. laughed at for crunch, and you said Dum Dums. No, Dum Dums are Fuego, bro. <laughs> oh so my god! I, I mostly rock with the cotton candy flavor and the butterscotch flavor. Don't be handing me no banana the flavor. Butterscotch flavor. That's what. We're, yeah, oh the but, butterscotch dum dum. Says no banana flavor. I but, feel like yeah, your no. selections are like nineteen thirteen. Like what? <laughs> yeah, it's like what? Like what? Like what? Like yeah. yeah. What is? This? Yeah, it's dum called good, good old breakfast. American, good old American trick or treating. You know, back in okay. the day, chocolate was expensive. You know, expensive to import into the country, so they had dum dums. They had candy corn. You know, they had don't even they, dude. they had simple things, you know, sweet and sour. Very simple. Okay. Mm. Wait, Connor, give me your number two. I don't know what that list number is. Number two, an American classic, Sour Patch Kids. Are you I kidding fire. guys? What fire. Is sour are, Patch Kids are fire. Are unbelievable. Great candy. Number two on my list. Jacob. Watermelon ones are better. I, I got the, the Sour Patch watermelon specifically. Yeah! The watermelon are better. They're better. So much I, better. I, every time I get like a pack of those, I eat it in like about 13 seconds, dude. So does yep. the bana- banana does the same thing. What do the same Yeah, thing. banana does the same thing. Did you and Connor like come up with like pretty much like similar same lists here? It's like you guys have been pr- almost mm. on the same wavelength so far here. Number one. Well, I had the watermelon. He had the regular. Okay, well, uh, my apologies. There <laughs> is a, a big difference. difference. Yeah, there, there is a there's a big difference there. Number one. Awfully different. Is... You, you wouldn't know because you only eat chocolate candy. <laughs> that is true. Enjoy Number your one. crunch and almond joy. I, there's no almond joy on my top three. <laughs> almond joy, not I've never had almond joy to be honest, so I don't even mess with that. Number I one. I really hope you say plain Hershey's as your last one. Hershey's. Number one. That'd be hilarious. Number one, there is no doubt in my mind that it can be anything else but break me off a piece of that Kit Kat bar. It's got to ah, be Kit nice. Kats. Kit Kats what? are classic. <laughs> they like you just you break them apart. You get the little you get the, like the noise that you, <laughs> everything about Kit Kats. Red's my favorite color. You got the red wrapping. Everything about it. Kit Kats just ooze Halloweeny. I have to go like it. it Kit Kats all the way. Number one. Banana, banana. Who's your number one for top uh, three Halloween candies? My number one candy. Uh, hmm. Go a, good old, a good old peppermint zen. You know, Dude, that, what is this that, list? Type, that type of candy. There's just something about walking around in Halloween nights cold. You're looking for a zen and somebody gives you a pack of peppermint and you just throw one in and your Halloween walk just becomes amazing. No, nah, honestly, not. Uh, okay. Honestly, my number one. Oh, that's tough, Tino. Um, can I just make a point about the Kit Kats? I I don't like Kit Kats, but their advertising and their marketing in like the early their early 2013 Kit Kat ads with like Against the, the snaps, bro. It like made me obsessed with Kit Kats, and you I know ate what? Kit how Kats. do you not like Kit Kats, dude? No, they suck. Like they're not actually good because they're chocolate, but <laughs> the advertising and the marketing made me obsessed with Kit Kats. So shout out whoever made those commercials. They were gas. Kit Kats. My favorite is Reese's. Reese's peanut butter cups, and I don't even rock with chocolate, but like it's just. It's but Reese's. like Reese's peanut butter cups, I could eat like <laughs> sixty of them in a row, like dead ass. Like they're so good, it's not even funny. Like don't play with yeah. the Reese's peanut butter cups. Connor, do, are, are you are you going Reese's? No, uh, I actually might get some slander from this from a couple of people. Uh, Me particularly, most likely. Yes, I could not disagree with Tino more. I'm a huge Skittles fan. Are you out of your mind? That is on fire. Number one. number one, Skittles I love gas. Skittles. Love yeah. them. 
I agree. I'm not even Jacob. Give me your number one. I'm not even entertaining it. Jacob, Original though, one? none of this like funky shit. Whatever. No, I don't care. Oh, what kind of oh, oh. Reese's Pieces. There we go, baby. Not the no. Pieces, the cup, the peanut butter cup. You dumb. Oh, Reese's cups. Okay, my cup. apologies. I'm sorry, Tino. I love you. I didn't. I didn't mean it. Banana gets upset sometimes. My apologies. <laughs> we got the cups. Reese's cups for Jacob and Peyton. Kit Kats are Kit Kats are the goat candy. I don't want to hear it. They're the best candy out there. Hundred, hundred percent. No. Good question. marketing. Good marketing. Yeah, great, phenomenal marketing. Phenomenal. Great commercials. That's gonna wrap up our Halloween edition episode of the Cold Hard Truth. Thank you guys for popping out, Peyton. It was awesome to have you back, buddy. I know you've missed the last few episodes. Great, great to be back, back with my friends. Yeah, great to have Banana back on the program. We really, again, please we were back on this episode. That's going to do friend. it again for this episode. Guys, if you're not following us on social media, down below in the description, TC, TCHC underscore podcast on Instagram. Go follow out all of our socials down below in the description. Thank you guys for watching another great episode of The Cold Hard Truth. We'll see you guys next time. What's up? See y'all.